How's it, guys? Welcome back for another week's episode. You're here with me, Nick. And as always, I'm joined by my good buddy, Ronnie. My name is Ronnie. Yeah, Ronnie. So we have Laka, another weekend of bries. I think it's the theme now with it being the World Cup coming up, all the rugby that's on. You've got to have a bry. Don't pretend like we bry only for rugby. No, that's true. We bry way, way too often. But yeah, we were out in Harties again. We had a bry at my grandparents' place there. And we were joined by a young Englishman. Yeah. Ben. Ben. Yeah, so Ben was here from England. He's working out in Harties for a bit, getting some work experience. He's a staunch English rugby fan. Very knowledgeable. Yeah, actually surprisingly so. Very knowledgeable. And it was very interesting gaining his perspective on, on rugby. For sure. He's a big fan of Mauro Toje. Yeah, true. He rated him quite highly. Yeah. Although admitting that he's not in the greatest form at the moment. Yes, but I think that's because all surrounded him and were like, are you sure? Yeah, you nudged sure? him a little bit, you know, it's about this and, and Franco was that that. Interestingly, he also said that the perspective that uh, that the English have of us as South Africans are that we are dirty. That's true. And I, I had a little too much to drink. I thought he meant we don't shower. Yeah, well, he was <laughs> talking about the fact that we're dirty players on the field, which disagree with. Yeah, I disagree with that too. And strangely enough, maybe not, maybe just patriotic, he seems to believe England have quite a shot at the World Cup. I think um, even if, if we, if like, let's just be honest. The worst South African team would still back them to win the World Cup. Yeah, we could send the Stormers there and beat England. <laughs> worst South African team. <laughs> or the Griffins. Remember, Ronnie, the Griffins beat the Blue Bulls. I don't know if you heard, but the Griffins beat the Bull <laughs> Blue Bulls. <laughs> That's a fact we'll never let you forget here on the Rugby Punted Podcast. Um, Ronnie, should we then take a bit of a dive into the weekend's action? Yeah, let's dive in a bit. So, first up, Ronnie, we obviously had the box facing off with Wales. A big, big victory for the Springboks, 52-16, a record defeat for the Welsh at home. What's the record, though? Is that the biggest defeat that they've had at home? I believe that is indeed the record. Or is it right the biggest against South Africa? Both. Okay, I believe you. I heard them talk about the fact that it's a record loss. I wasn't sure what the actual record was. Yeah, no, It seemed a bit surprising. I thought that Wales would have been pumped by a lot more in the past, but yeah, we stand to be corrected. If you know what the actual record was, let us know. We got a bit lazy. Yeah, so let's start off there. I mean, Paul Warren Gatland names a team on Thursday. By Thursday evening, he's had to withdraw Liam Williams, you know, the bomb diffuser. He's had to withdraw Dan Bigger. That's almost 200 test caps removed from the, a squad that only had 300 and some change going yeah. into the fixture. Yeah, and they were definitely light with the players that they had in the team, like you said. Front row, honestly, did they have five, maybe ten caps between them? Yeah, nothing. And then to add injury to insult, then on Friday, Alex Cuthbert has to be withdrawn from the team. So a huge, huge loss. To actual injury. To actual injuries. So three of them in total. And, you know, when it came down to it, it was 600 or 968 test caps to the Springboks. And it was 437 before you withdrew those players for Wales. I'm not sure what it was after that. But I mean, Vili LaRue himself had more test caps than the entire backline of Wales that took to the field. Unbelievable. Yeah, very, very inexperienced Welsh side. Definitely what I would consider to be a Welsh B side. Yeah, and they got some interesting choices there. Johnny Harris was back after an absence for some years. I don't think he had a particularly good game. But I don't by any means think he had the worst of the Welsh team. A lot of those players just didn't fire. And I'd be very concerned if I was a Welsh uh, Welshman. Yeah, so the youngsters that needed to put their hands up definitely didn't. 
You know, then you've got like a player like Taupe, Talupe Falatau, who's been in the squad the whole time and hasn't played a single warm-up game. So some experience there that's not being utilized. It's interesting to see the tactic Gatlin's taking from this. You know, he was quite spirited, if you can say that, after the defeat, saying, you know, they learned some things. They knew it was going to be tough. It was a very inexperienced team. And, you know, where does this place Wales ahead of the World Cup, or should we not read too much into it? Well, we can, right? So I wouldn't say it's all doom and gloom, because we know that the draw is, uh, you know, very heavy on pool A and pool B, and very light on pool C and D. And Wales, it really has the potential to go far. But again, it's disappointing in their performances that, they could quite honestly slip up against Fiji again in a World Cup setup. And it's a tough pool for them, Australia, Fiji, and Wales. And I think of those three teams in that pool C, Fiji's probably the form team. Yeah, you know, Fiji will get onto their game a little bit later, but are looking competitive. Wales really need to get some momentum. They've had a win over England, followed by a defeat. You know, it's not going too great for the Dragons. Ronnie, Jesse Creel, what a bloody performance from the big man. He really impressed me this weekend. So he got 115 running meters, beating three defenders, and he scored two tries. Well, one of his tries, I'd say, was brilliant. The other try was a little bit fortuitous, you know. Uh, that the right word? It depends. Are you being nice or nasty? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just figured one of his tries got a bit lucky with Wales. Really didn't focus there. They tossed the ball up in the air, calling all pockets, and, and Jesse Creel snatched and scored a try. But I'm not taking away from his performance. I have to eat my words because we have been critical of Jesse in the past and uh, he's he's made me eat my words because, you know, he's been in that mix for many years now and he showed this weekend that we can honestly rely on him. He can be uh, a brilliant outside center for the Springboks and he's exactly, he's firing at just the right time. We've, we've called upon him now and are quite honestly, legend. Legend in my eyes. Yeah, I think he had a very good game. I think he, it went a long way in silencing some of his detractors. Jesse has been in the Springbok setup for a very long time, fulfilling somewhat of a utility role. But I feel like he really came out. He had a good performance. And he really put up his hand knowing the void that he's currently expected to fill in the Springbok side. Tell me, I wasn't the only one critical of him. You were as well? Never, Ronnie. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> we both, okay, I'll at least admit that I was critical of him in the past. Honestly, well bloody done. You've proven me wrong. I eat my words in the same way that I ate my words with Damien Dalende. Yeah, Dalende also playing a good role in the Springbok game. A little bit quiet from, from him at inside centre. Ronnie, also very impressed by Kanan Moody. Well, Kanan Moody's on fire at the moment. He's hitting, he's hitting strides and his pace. and It's just fantastic to see. He's very confident with the ball. Try scoring machine. And uh, he's earned his place at 13, I believe, in this coming week. But yeah, let's focus on this, part, on this this past weekend's performance. And I just thought he was fantastic. You know, we recorded an episode last season and we actually named it Canaan Ball. And I went back and listened to it and see, you know, what were we raving about in that episode? And there we were really talking about his speed and, you know, his try scoring abilities. But I feel like he's now illustrated to us that he's strong on defense. He can be a real contributor there. And he has a massive work rate. I feel like he's involved in a lot during the during the game. Yeah, absolutely. He's got that youthful exuberance, which is what you really need in a team. And uh, yeah, I think Mapimpi. Uh, and yeah, at wing, he's, he's kind of challenging for that starting, starting role. And so Mapimpi, I don't know if he's really concerned. I think the team is 
their psyche is such that they they don't mind if they they want to start, but they don't mind when their teammates are are, are doing really well. So, yeah, yeah, that Springbok back three has plenty of competition. Ronnie, a very special moment this weekend as well. Our captain Siokalisi returning from injury, getting through a successful forty minutes. Yeah, very successful forty minutes. He was physical, and it's an ACL injury. I mean, yeah. you would know. You've been struggling for, with your ACL for 35 years. And yeah, he managed to do it in less than five months. Yeah, very, very impressive. And I mean, he came back. It didn't look like he'd been away. Very, yeah. very busy on the field. Back to his normal role. Offloading in the tackle to Malcolm Marks for his first try. And, and that was fantastic. Yeah. Huge performance from the pack in general. They had the Welsh marching backwards non-stop. Yeah, but when you know that you've got Marku Eskom van Staden on the bench and you've got Dwayne Tol van Meerlin, that's a powerhouse 6-2 six, six split. You know you can go guns out, guns blazing, and you're going to get replaced by some absolute units. Can we just talk about the fact that John Deere and Franz Malherbe are not business partners? You know, that's the br- the best brand ambassador you could get. That man does not go backwards. Doesn't go backwards. He is Unless long. he wants to. No. Yeah, it's ridiculous. He is rock solid there, tight head. Making a huge name for himself there. Well, he's had one for ages, actually. He has had one, and we often... Jock brought it up, I mean, it could have been last year or the year before. The number of penalties that he actually contributes in, in, you know, from the scrum. He just either stands his ground, or if Kitschi holds the ground on the other side, you know, France is going to move, is going to walk forward. And, uh, yeah, he's powerful. Yeah, very, very powerful. I think another player I also think shut down critics, if they were paying attention this weekend, is Vili LaRue. He was all over the place, talking well to the players. And if you go back and watch the replay, Sears offload for the try. Vili LaRue called it, told them to stand there, and then called for the ball to them. Yeah, I, I want to disagree with you. Of course you do. You know, I like Vili. Don't get me wrong, I like Vili. But if you go and watch, rewatch that game, and there's certain programs also on TV that you can scan, you saw that Vili potentially didn't work very well with Marnie. They often found themselves on the same side, getting in each other's way, rather than perhaps Pollard and Philly knowing each other very well and then splitting those duties, either first receiver on the left and the right-hand side of the ruck, which I just think maybe a, another week, a game or two with Philly and Marnie is going to help them get into position a little bit better. But look, it worked out fine. And in some cases, having it both on the same side just meant that uh, the distribution works so beautifully. Yeah, you know, the one thing that Vili is flawed on, he's in the ref's ear a little too much. That's also, that bothers me quite a bit. I mean, I get that you have to speak to the ref, but you've got to be uh, tactful about it. Yeah, we've got Sia there, Sia can handle. So you mentioned Mani Lubok then, Ronnie. You know, the kick's still not looking sharp from Mani. A lot of people are saying we've got to back the boys, and I do agree, 100% we're behind them all the way. But we have to also... Call a spade a spade, right? And Marnie missed five kicks or four kicks. I think he got five out of nine or either four out of nine. I don't know which which way it was. And that's fine and all. Go to we go to crunch time in the World Cup, and you need a kicker that's going to put that three points. That means that you're going to win the game by one point. And and I heard what Jacques said. I don't know if other people picked up on it. I don't know if it was you know maybe I just misheard it. But Jacques seemed awfully. Uh, uh, fine with the fact that you know they're gonna 
the number of tries that he contributes to the team means more than the number of kicks that he misses. So they're more than happy to go the old New Zealand way of things and say, oh, well, we'll just score 10 tries. We'll miss seven kicks, but we'll score 10 tries, which yeah. I disagree with. You still need a proper kicker. Yeah, I think you do need a proper kicker, but, you know, Marnie is playing very well. And it's interesting to note that the Springbok winners are notching up a number of tries after a fair dry spell now that Marnie's in the 10 jersey. Well, we saw how he can pass. Yeah, Marnie really can pass a rugby ball very, very well. Ronnie, let's then move on a little bit. We've got Georgia getting a 22-7 victory over the USA. That's on their back, the back of a big win over Romania the previous week. That's exactly what Georgia needs going into the pool. They could potentially be a, a, a banana peel for the teams in their pool, right? So, Is it too bold to say that Georgia's the only team going into that pool with a bit of momentum? No, that's a fair comment. They beat, they team, need they it, beat right? Wales. They, they do need that if they're going to cause a real upset. Yeah. It's not off the cards, right? I mean, they... there's the potential for it because we really don't yet know what a full-strength Welsh or Wallaby side looks like. Yeah. Then, Ronnie, Italy getting a commanding 57-7 victory over Romania, not spelling great thoughts for the Romanians having to face us, Ireland, and Scotland, as well as Tonga in our pool. Yeah, it's an absolute tough ask for Romania. They, they have got a very difficult pool. But well done to Italy, that's all I could say. Yeah, also great to see Andrzej Kapuaza return from injury. He was injured last year in the November internationals, so he's finally made a return to the pitch and just in time for the Italians ahead of the World Cup. Then, Ronnie, Ireland 29, 10 points to England. It was an interesting game for me. I don't feel like the Irish really said to me, you know, we're coming for the World Cup with that victory. I don't know if it was... I want to agree with you. You can't really gauge where Ireland's at because they played a very subpar England side. And so you don't really know what you have with the Irish. Oh, is that a case of the, the bad English game drawing the Irish into it? Or I'm not too sure what went on there. I mean, we know Ireland are a better team than that. And yeah, look, they won the game and they made it 12 wins in a row now. So what it is, do we know what the record is? It's either 18, 17, 17 continuous wins. Yeah. Shared by us, New Zealand and England. So for Ireland... To break that record, they're going to have to win the World Cup. Yeah, well, they have to win all the pool games and a quarterfinal, so they're never going to break it. They can't <laughs> win a quarterfinal. <laughs> oh, no, sorry to our Irish listeners, if there are any. But first injury, you know, last week we were talking about how Ireland's the only team without any injury concerns ahead of the World Cup. We've now seen massively influential hooker Dan Sheehan ruled out, potentially ruled out rather, due to injury. And the uncapped Damien Barron has been brought in to provide cover there for the moment. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I was waiting for a whole list of injuries to come through, but not so many. But yeah, very, very sorry to see old Sheehan go down. Yeah, you know, each team is dealing with this in different ways. England will now also be sweating over Billy Vunapola. He was red carded or yellow carded and reviewed to a red card. It's the time of recording, we believe that that, that hearing is actually underway. So. Yeah, probably by the time this pod comes out or shortly after on Wednesday morning, we will have an outcome on the Billy Vunapola incident. But again, shoulder to the head. Is this a tactic that they're practicing in England? <laughs> but it is difficult though, right? So, I mean, you as the, as the ball carrier are going to essentially get away with it if you run with your head first into anybody. 
Right? I mean, it's a very difficult one. World Rugby needs to find a way to better police this. I understand that you can't make contact to the head and player safety and this, that and the other. But if you're an idiot ball carrier who wants to wants to cheat his way through rugby, just run with your head out front. Look, I don't fully agree with you there, Ronnie, because here we, we're not seeing this red card incident handed out across all games. It's two that have been handed out to players with the England camp. Other red cards we're seeing are for taking the man in the air, you know, more accidental moments in a game. I feel like this is entirely avoidable and that level of contact to the head just can't be tolerated. Yeah, but we spoke about it the other day with, uh, you made that comment of Eben Itzabeth tackling Antoine de Pont around the ears now. But you don't see him doing that is what I'm saying. Yeah, but if Antoine de Pont was, was smart, he would run Itzabeth with his face and head out front. Even if he tried to, he'd only hit him in the waist. Yeah, but he still made contact with his, <laughs> with his bloody head. So, yeah, England discipline hurting them a little bit there because having been reduced, you know, they were always going to then struggle to keep the Irish out. But Ronnie, I have an interesting question for you. So, Eddie Jones released as England coach at the end of last year and Borthwick gets appointed and his first comments are, England aren't good at anything. There's nothing that they're good at. Who said that? Borthwick. Steve Borthwick. If you look at the English team now, are they good at anything? No, they're even worse off. Yep, they're even worse off. So Steve, it's a little bit of karma coming back there for you, my friend. Yeah, look, but let's be honest, what do you expect from coming eight months to the World Cup to get team and then you, 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 you're expected to pull off a miracle? It was never going to happen. No, it was never going to happen. And Steve, you know, giving the same rehearsed media statements, we're going to get better every week. Yeah. Steve, when does that start? Even Courtney Laws seem fed up. Yeah, right. and you know what? I'm a big Courtney Laws fan. Yeah, so. they looked like they were going to cry at the next hearing. Yeah, so England also really struggling for any momentum going into this World Cup. They face Fiji this coming weekend, and they're really going to have their hands full dealing with that game. Ronnie, since we're on the topic... Hold on, of- hold on, hold on. I've got one more comment to make. Keith Earls, yes. 100 tests. Yes, shout out to Keith. Corner. Right. Yeah. How epic was that? Like a Keith try in the corner. Yeah, it was a Keith try. Keith try. Yeah, very, very impressive. Shout out. I mean, I'm pretty sure he was in Rugby 08. Yeah, absolutely. He's been playing John Loma Rugby for, for, like I say, how long? A good number of years. <laughs> a good number of years. And he was uh, the Ireland wing in the Irish team for a very long time. Yeah, so big shout out there. 100 test matches and then scores an epic try in the corner. Honestly, he couldn't last for much better. That was like it's scripted. No, for sure, for sure. So will this be his fifth World Cup quarterfinal exit? Because <laughs> you've been playing five. I don't know if you've been playing five. <laughs> that's just dig at any of our Irish listeners. Sorry, guys. We do respect you as rivals, so that's why we give you a bit of shit. Ronnie, four tries to one, Ireland ultimately beating England. And interestingly, I just want to point out, that the last time England scored a try with their back line was on the 12th of March this year. Yeah, you it was England it. versus France, six tests ago. That's disgraceful. That is very disgraceful. That is, yeah. I don't know what's going on. What can on you there. say about that? Just... No, couldn't hit water if they fell out of a boat. So flat. Yeah, very, very much so. Ronnie, France, Fiji. Now, this was an interesting game. So France ultimately coming off 34-17 victors, but... To point out, it was only three tries to two. Yeah, I want to ask you, do you think that France was undercooked? I think France may be suffering a bit of shell shock from the loss of Cyril, I and Roman Intermac, wrapping a number of players in cotton wool and looking a little hesitant. Yeah, looking hesitant. And obviously they knew what, was, what Fiji was going to do with broken play. They were very dangerous. And the defense, they were big hits. And like you say, wrapping a few people in cotton wool to try and protect them. 
but yeah, look, it's I was I was very pleased with the Fijian performance. I think that Wales uh, and Australia need to be careful. No, absolutely, Fiji really really showing some potential in that game. I think it was you that pointed out they've only played 14 tests. Yeah, so I stand to be corrected, but I've seen the, the commentator in the actual French versus Fijian game mentioned the fact that the French had either played 28 or 38. I think it was 38 test matches in the World Cup cycle and Fiji only 14, or now 15 after this weekend, which I thought was, that's a, that's a disgrace. Yeah, that's far too few tests. Obviously, they've got the Fijian Drua now included in Super Rugby, which will be helping them a little bit and drawing a number of players that do play in the French top 14. But, you know, that's not enough game time as a unit. Japan, the Pacific Islands, they need to be playing more competitive rugby. Absolutely. So, you know, we saw Hastoi, we saw Hastoi starting at fly half this week. Jali Burr was on the bench. You know, the French are not missing a kicker at 10 because Ramos can kick. Jaminet, I think, got 9 or 10 kicks over this weekend, starting at fullback. So it's not a kicker. What I really feel like they've lost, though, is that connection between DuPont and Intermark. Yeah, you are a big fan of Intermark, so I know you're going to ha- hammer on that fact. And I'm just going to say, no, I don't think so. You don't think so? No. Okay. Well, what do you make of resting DuPont then, Ronnie? You know, you run the risk of him being rusty. You also run the risk of no. injury later. You see, he's so good. I mean, we all claim, or so many people claim, he is the best nine in the world, if not the best rugby player at the moment. So, really, what more, what more do you have to say other than, you know what you're having it? But you're losing a chance to now get him and, and Jaminet to, to play, or Hastoy to play, and build a little bit of combination, because the bulk of his minutes have been with Roman Intermac at there. Sure, but you do need to rest your players, because France have not missed a game. They've played four weeks every week, a warm-up game. It's a lot of rugby. That's true. That is a lot of rugby. Um, Fiji also, I think they're struggling a little bit with their set piece. It's that's probably their biggest weakness. We saw that they can really jam and play some rugby once they have the ball. But the lineouts, the scrum, something they really need to work on. Ronnie, are you gonna then jump over to Superbrew? How's things looking on the log? How far down are you? So, well, we'll talk about that in a moment. I would like you to bring up where you are in Superbrew, just. Gladly. Okay, so in third place, we've got Guru on 23 points. That is Andre Erlank. He's in third place. In second place, we've got Khotlip. So he was up at the top in last week as well. That's Hein Fenter. He's on 24 points. And then also joint at the top, I suppose, is Devar K, but a smaller total differential margin. We've got Devar K, which is Devin Kerwin. He also on 24 points. And then, yeah, like... Everybody tunes in just to hear this. Where are you on the log? So, Ronnie, I am 446th on Let the log. Let me see. Yeah, I climbed 228 places this weekend. You're a thousand and what? So, we seem to be having technical problems. <laughs> Ronnie is a thousand and twelfth. No, so. don't be ridiculous, man. Yeah, well, Ronnie, you failed to prove otherwise, so that's pretty hilarious. Also, in our small friends pool, I got the other cap this week. Just, just tossing that out there additionally, Ronnie. But... Have you seen our World Cup Super Brew Pool? 1,750 players in it currently. Yeah, it sucks for you because you're just going to end up so far at the back. Yeah, you're going to lose to 1,749 players. Struggled for the math a bit there. <laughs> I did, I did, I did. I 1,750 minus one. But yeah, guys, come and join that pool. The pool code is SMOGDEAL. It's all over our socials, so you can come and join for there. It also happens to be one of the biggest non-paid, non-promoted pools out there, so... It's just organic growth. Fantastic. 
and we've got some pretty epic prizes up for grabs. Exactly. Join us. Like it's an organically grown super brew pool with prizes. With prizes. Rugby ball lights, May Fokchol merch, Ronnie's hand signed rugby ball. Nick's shitty poiki recipe. <laughs> it's better than your Kaboti recipe. Yeah, it's fantastic. Nick is very good at this. Honestly, he just drives to the post net down here and will ship whatever he needs to to you. So please. Yeah, guys, come and join us. Ronnie, then let's take a preview of this weekend's fixtures. Very excited to see what's coming up. Some huge games, starting off with a massive one on Friday night. Springboks versus New Zealand at Twickenham. I don't really know what to make of that. I mean, you watch the press conferences on both sides of the fence and they're both just saying it's a normal test match. They'll focus on the World Cup after that and it's going to be huge. But like, really, how much can you give away? Yeah, I don't know how much you can give away, but I think this is a masterstroke. Facing New Zealand before they face France, before we face Ireland, really checking where each other are at, testing the waters. I think it's going to be a spectacle of a game, Ronnie. So we have now got a Springbok team named. Is it official or is it unofficially official? No, it's official. It's official. We have named our 23 to face the All Blacks this weekend. Oh, sorry. I'm talking about squad. Okay. No, no. So, Ronnie, starting in the front row, we have the same pack again. Stephen Kitsoff, Malcolm Marks, and Franz Mulhoba. I think we spoke about this yesterday. Malcolm Marks should always start against the All Blacks. Why? Because you want to slow their ball down. Absolutely. They like the physicality of Bongi, but... When it comes to All Blacks, you've got to slow it, slow it down. Yeah, and I mean, France tried to make me move Malhoba. He's not going anywhere. He's standing on that field, keeping that All Black scrum up there. <laughs> then, big return for Eben Etzebeth at number four. He's joined by Franku Sos Mostert at five. Is that so? No Marvin Ori. No Marvin Ori. So, Marvin's not included in the 23 for this game. I think it's purely rotation purposes. Wanting to give Franku some game time there. And keep the combinations going. So Yebin and Franku, very excited for that. Both great line-out options. Absolutely. Then we take a look at the Lucy. Circulisi will be starting again at captain. I see Jacques saying he's hoping he'll get about 50 minutes this week, maybe even 60 if they can push him a little bit. Peter Steff to Toy at 7, and Dwayne Thor for Mullen gets a start at 8. Yeah, and then uh, does that mean Dwayne for Mullen be expected to play 80 minutes of rugby? I think so, because there's no eighth man included on the bench there's this no week. no eighth man, exactly. And I don't know, I mean, you could potentially put Mark if it started on at eight, but this means we're heavily reliant on that leadership from, from Dwayne against the All Blacks. Absolutely. So, also, Peter Steftatoy really starting to come into his form again. The game against the All Blacks is the prime opportunity for him to pick up even more steam. Yeah. Dwayne can't complain at all, can't wait to see Thor in action, and I think against the All Blacks, that's exactly the kind of person he wanted eight man. Yes. Then, Ronnie, we go over to the, the back line. We've got Faf de Klerk returning as a starter. He's joined at flyhoff by Marnie Lebok. Yeah, good combination. Finally, let's see what it can produce. Do you think Marnie's still going to be given the kicking duties, or do you think we're going to see Faf take it on this game? It has to be Marnie, right? So if, if Jacques says that he's going to be backing Marnie and we want to be scoring 10 tries and work on his kicking, well, then he has an opportunity to work on his kicking. Yeah, for sure. I agree with you there. But I would like to see what Marnie can play like without the kicking duties hanging over his head. Ronnie, then the back three. This time starts for Makazonima Pimpi at 11, Kirtley Orances at 14, and Damien Willemsa starts at 15. Yeah, again, very explosive. Hopefully, Mapimps, I think, can, can hit his stride. I want to see him perform again. 
But honestly, we've got so much depth, I don't know who to choose every week. Yeah, it's actually seeing some good rotations. So Mapimps, he played the last test against the All Blacks. He then played Argentina in Argentina. And now he's getting another start. It's purely rotation, I think, going on in the squad at the moment, making sure everyone's minutes are managed ahead of the World Cup. But Ronnie, I really want to chat about this center pairing because it's quite exciting. Okay, let's talk about it. Andre the Giant, Esterhazen, is at 12, and Kanan Moody at 13. Center pairing we haven't seen. Not seen yet, but very exciting. Andre is in great form. He's had some good performances for the box this year. Kanan Moody, we just spoke about how electric he is. And funny enough, he played most, if not all, of his junior rugby at 13. Yeah, absolutely. And Jacques was talking about the fact that Damien Delende started out at wing. Kanye Am started out at wing, so... We seem to progress quite naturally from wings to either inside or outside center. And he's got the right build for it. And maybe this is, if we look, we look new coach at the end of the year off the World Cup. Uh, Who knows? Maybe Kanan becomes a regular at 13. Yeah, it's very exciting. I'm quite keen to see what these two have to do. I must admit, I'm a little surprised that this is being implemented against the All Blacks. But I suppose if you're going to test it, why not test it against the best? Damn right. After this, you're going to know, can these guys cut it if needed or not? Exactly. So over to the bench then, we have Bongi, Ox and Trevor filling out the front row replacements. Also, can't complain, eh? Can't complain. Good to see Ox get his return from injury last week. I thought he might have gotten a start this week, considering that he needs a bit more game time. But yeah, great to see the boys all there in the front row. Ronnie, locks. we see the pairing that started against the Welsh now on the bench. John Klein and Archie Snayman, the Munster duo. Little Cutman. Little Cutman. Yes. Klein Snayman. <laughs> there we go. Archie van Staden rounding out the six forwards on the bench because we have gone with a 6-2 split. Can't complain about Marku there. He's going to offer a lot in the carrying department when he enters the fray. And then Kurbis Reinach, scrum half replacement with Vili LaRue rounding out the bench. Yeah, absolutely. So look, I think we can expect Vili to come on. At 15, and then Damien Willemster to move into the centers, depending on how all of that works. Or, potentially, Quibus Reinert coming on at 9, and Faf potentially moving to 10. Yeah, that could be a possibility as well, Ronnie. Tell me, how much do the Springboks need to win this game? It's a difficult one, because you can, you can go into the game understanding that it is a warm-up, understanding that you're withholding some of your, your tricks, but losing against our biggest rivals is going to is going to hurt. It's yeah. going to hurt your your momentum. We just we we have to we have to be mentally strong going into this game. And winning it could make us very cocky. But it could also look. I think the Springboks need to win this one more than the All Blacks do. And let me just say, every French person listening to this podcast, you should be supporting the All Blacks because if they lose to the Springboks on Friday. I'm sorry, France are stuffed for the opening game. You reckon they're going to come back? And yeah, come the All Blacks don't lose two in a row. They don't. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just that's a fair warning to the French followers out there. That's not something they will want to see. Ronnie, also now seeing that they weren't named in the side, it looks like the time is really up for Pollard and Lurt. Yeah, so I think look, the writing's been on the wall already. Jacques maintained from the beginning. The squad's going, and the squad will come back if there are no injuries. But He's made it very clear that the likelihood of injuries will very much. It's going to be very difficult to get through, you know, two months of rugby without uh, without copping a few injuries. No, for sure. You're not wrong there, Ronnie. I know I'm not wrong. 
Yeah, it's so rare though. I'm quite surprised. So, you know, this game's kicking off at 8.30. It's, it's going to be a good one on Friday night to kickstart the weekend. Then Saturday is quite a jam-packed one as well, Ronnie. We have England facing Fiji. Yes, we do. That's going to be an interesting fixture. Fiji could steal that one. Fiji could absolutely steal that one, but oh, look, I'm going to just err on the side of caution and say, look, it's most likely going to be England. This is their game to just get their ducks in a row. Yeah. Then, Ronnie, Italy hosting Japan. This for me is quite an interesting one because I don't feel like we've really gotten a sense of where Japan is at the moment. I think Italy's a good test to actually see, you know, how competitive Japan could be ahead of the World Cup so we can make our, our Super Brew picks accordingly. Yeah. Then Scotland hosting Georgia. Yeah, go, go Georgia. But look, Scotland's firing at this point. I'm going to be rooting for Georgia, though. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be rooting for Georgia in that one. We can't have that Huey Pilatu center pairing wreaking so much havoc again. Yeah. And Georgia on a bit of a, a momentum streak at the moment. So yeah. it could be an interesting one. Ireland versus Samoa. Dangerous one for Ireland. Yeah, this is a potential banana peel for Ireland. Banana peel, right? Because you could somebody could get hurt. It's very physical Samoan side that they'll be facing. Very and someone could definitely get hurt. Johnny Sexton, is he back? No, he's not back. He's out for this game still. And they're probably quite grateful for that. But how can he be out? Isn't he, wasn't he banned for three matches? This is the third match. But they had one against Portugal, a sneaky Yeah, one. but apparently that doesn't count. Why did it not count? No, because it wasn't South Africa or New Zealand or Fiji or Tonga playing in it. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Then, Ronnie, rounding off the weekend's fixtures, or actually just Saturday's fixtures, is Spain versus Argentina. I think the Spaniards are in for a little bit of a hiding. Yeah. And Sunday, a very interesting one, as France hosts Australia. Wallabies. We don't really know what we have with Eddie Jones and the Wallabies. Especially the after Wallabies. this recent squad selection. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see because imagine the Wallabies dish up a defeat to the French now. And then Eddie Jones can turn to the camera and say, that's right, media, give yourself an uppercut. <laughs> yeah, so Eddie was quite emotive with the, the Australian media before they departed for the World Cup. But it would be excellent to see the Wallabies tip the apple cart a little bit there. Yep. So... Ronnie, you know, a couple of other stories making news this week, which I found interesting. Mornay Stain is now the kicking coach for the Lions. Mornay Stain is the kicking coach at the Lions. And, and yeah, that's very exciting. Good for Mornay Stain. Good for him to get into coaching space. Yeah, maybe we can see him at the Springboks. Yeah, well, talking about the coaching space, what about good old Shag? You know, Steve Hansen linking up with the Wallabies. I think the New Zealand's revising their, their eligibility laws. Yeah, I saw Dan Coles make a bit of a cheeky comment like that Steve Hansen won't share the All Black secrets, but yeah, look, he won't do that. I think he's got no, a bit of respect, but sure, a bit of a surprise for them, And but it's, it's a short-term contract. Yeah, it's a very short-term just to offer some consulting services. I wouldn't be surprised if it is extended a little bit, and you know why not? We want to keep the Southern Hemisphere strong. For shiz. For shiz. Ronnie, then did you see the Bunker Review and Shot Clock have been given the green light to be implemented at the World Cup? I thought that was already happening. Yeah, so it's officially been announced by World Rugby now. It will be in effect for all 48 games at the World Cup. So the Bunker gets eight minutes to review the yellow card. Eight minutes of the 10. Eight minutes of the 10. So the player's still got time to warm up if he needs to come on. Come on the bicycle, get the legs going again. Eight minutes for review. And then 
the shot clock. I don't like the shot clock. It gives me anxiety, especially when Kerwin Bosch is using it because he takes way too bloody long. <laughs> I don't think it's a problem at all. Kerwin Bosch uses his time. He, he's, yeah, he's focused. He knows exactly how much time he has. And then he slots the three-pointer. And, and look, I think it's brilliant. Some teams do take that damn sweet time. And uh, we just want to make sure that it's within either 60 or 90 seconds, depending on the kick. Yeah, so I'm not I'm not too happy on that. But as you said, you know, so they get 60 seconds for a penalty, 90 seconds for a conversion. Have to get it over in there. Otherwise, the ref won't allow you to take the kick. Ronnie, Israel Folau ruled out of the World Cup. Yeah, I'm I saw that. That's, the a, surprise, eh? That's yeah. a big surprise. That makes me a little happier considering this difficulty we face in our pool. Yeah, absolutely. So he's out. And uh, also notice that Sivi Vartud is not even in the squad, but uh, some surprising omissions. Definitely surprising there. And then Helen Wynne-Jones, rugby's most capped test player, debuted for Toulon this weekend and was yellow carded just three minutes into his debut for a high tackle. <laughs> <laughs> so, bit of a random rugby fact there, but I thought I would dish that out. Yeah, Ronnie, George Moala also a five-week ban or ten-week ban reduced to five weeks. Effectively ending his World Cup. Effectively ending his World Cup, which sucks a little bit, but yeah, if, you, if you're going to do a tip tackle like that, you've got to expect to suffer the consequences unless you're Owen Farrell. Yeah. Owen Farrell going for his appeal today, Ronald. So that's busy happening at the moment, right? That is happening at the moment. So we were saying, you know, he sat out of this weekend's game. Should he now receive a ban? Will that count, Ronnie? So that's an interesting observation. You obviously say that it shouldn't count because there was no ban in effect and England could have played him. But what we're saying is you've got to use common sense here, right? Well, I don't know so much. He was free to play. They chose not to play him. Could have just been for rotational reasons. And now should he really benefit from that? Yeah, but the reality is he didn't stuff the decision up. He had he gave them all the opportunity to sanction him, and they didn't do it. So this is a slip-up on World Rugby and their Six Nations Judiciary Committee or whatever, the decision committee who made the call to not sanction him. Well, look, I think he deserves a six-week ban. Reduce it to five with this one week already missed. He's still going to miss the the whole group stages. So it's much of a muchness. I'm not too too yeah too worried about what comes out of that. So long as he does receive a ban. Okay, Ronnie, do you have the world rankings there for us? I do have the world rankings. A very interesting reading as well. Interestingly enough, South Africa are now in third place. So we're third in the world. France dropped out to after their their loss on the weekend. Not their loss after the. After their unconvincing win against uh, Fiji and the Springboks absolutely decimating Wales. So that moves South Africa into third place. But now you have to pay attention because France, South Africa or New Zealand could take second place this coming weekend. Really? So, So there's a lot of movement between second, third and fourth. We're very, very close. As it stands, 90.77 points to New Zealand. 89.37, 89.37, so that's we're 1.4 points behind New Zealand, South Africa, right? If we beat New Zealand because it's a home game, considered a home game for them, we get 1.44 points, which puts us just above New Zealand, where they currently are. But France could obviously also, a big win against Australia, ranked eighth in the world, they could also, if we put a big enough scoring in, they could also jump to second. So the world rankings going into the World Cup, second, third, and fourth, are up for grabs. Yeah, that's very interesting, actually, Ronnie. So a lot to play for this weekend heading heading into the World Cup, although I don't think the teams are too concerned with what's going on in the rankings at this point. 
Yeah, but, you know, regardless, I think I've got to also say that top spot is also up for grabs if New Zealand decimates us. But at the lower end of the lock, we've got some trouble, right? So Fiji can potentially jump. They've just jumped Wales. Wales are now in 10th, Fiji in 9th, right? So (laughs) Fiji could potentially jump Australia. Let's see who else. Potentially even England ranked 6th. That's hilarious. So Fiji, come on, Fiji. Yeah, come on, come on, Fiji. And that's a wrap, guys. And Bills, if you enjoyed this episode and didn't mind our terrible puns, please do us a solid and smash that like button. Remember, subscribing to our podcast may not make you a better rugby player, but it will make you more knowledgeable around the bry while screaming at the TV. We might not have the biceps of a prop or the speed of a winger, but we've got enough rugby banter to keep you entertained for the entire season. Grab it all, light the bry, and we'll catch you back here next Wednesday. <laughs>